You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hey guys. Hey Chris. As always, it's good to be with you. I had to mix it up. I just decided in that moment that whatever he, he you go with. He just had to add the as always. No, I decided that whatever he goes with, I'm going to throw one of the other things um, back, back at him. You like my I, hats? I, I, I like throwing once uh, again out there because it, it might trip someone up going, you, you mean like he'd do this without them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, yeah. oh, that's funny. This is the first official era in the heading for a million downloads. First official episode in the heading for a million downloads era. Yes, it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. In case you missed, uh, yes, we are. A prior episode we released, we have surpassed five hundred thousand downloads, and thank you all very much again uh, for that. So, to kick us off, so cool on that new era. I thought we uh, we're approaching. School starting once again. Mm. Uh, as we record this, it's uh, right towards the end of July. And uh, some of our parents may have not had uh, a kid that's now in their home uh, at school before, uh, not have not had to deal with that themselves. Or maybe you've, you've been frustrated with uh, how the school has handled your child in the past. And so what, what I thought we would be mm-hmm. really good for us to talk about is... What are some of the most effective ways for us to advocate uh, for our children at school? And I'm not talking about, you know, IEPs and, and those sorts of things. Uh, those are kind of official documents. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but I think there's some effective <laughs> tools, yeah. uh, Kayla, that uh, I know you know about um, that would uh, really help yeah. our parents. Yeah, well, I think it's just important to to recognize that we do have to advocate for our kids, right? We can't just assume that when we put them in a school setting, whether it's public school, private school, or even like a co-op for, you know, our kids, we homeschool most of our kids. And, um, but they go to like classes once a, you know, once a week they go to classes and they're outside of our, you know, direct instruction or so to speak. And, I have to advocate for my kids and what they need in those situations. Um, But all of us have to advocate for our kids because we are the experts on our kids, right? The teacher might be the expert on the content, um, but we know what our kids need. Um, And, you know, they may know what your typical, I'll use third grades because I was a third grade teacher, um, you know, I knew as a third grade teacher what a typical eight, nine-year-old kid should be doing in the classroom, right? Because I taught lots of those kids over the years. But I didn't necessarily know that this kid struggles with anxiety. And if I am going to point that kid out in class for any reason, or if I'm going to call on him, that it's going to cause 
this terrible like mm. response from that particular child, you know? And so right. it would be helpful to know that, um, you know, I can think of in the 11 years that I was a classroom teacher, I can think of the handful of parents that came to me and said, Hey, my kid really struggles with X, Y, and Z. And then because I understood that struggle, I was better able to, um, adjust things in class for them. You know, if I knew I had a kid who struggled, um, with sensory, then I could accommodate by allowing sensory tools for that particular child. Or, um, you know, I had one kid who, um, anytime people bumped up against him, he mm. would just like completely freak out. And he literally as an eighth grade, um, as an eight year old was biting other students. Mm. And I remember like being like horrified, like, I, like that's stuff you see in preschool. Why is this kid biting other students? But when we kind of got down to it, we realized that he had a lot of sensory issues. And the more I understood that, the more I was able to go, oh, it always happens when we're in the line to go somewhere and he's feeling squished between other students. Mm. And so because I was aware of his sensory needs, I was able to address that particular situation in a way that, I might normally have been more punitive and been like, hey, you're too old to do that. Yeah. You shouldn't be biting other students. Use your good words, you know, or whatever. And so I think it's important that we recognize that we have to advocate for our kids because the teachers have a limited um, ability to really become the experts on our kids. And so because we're already the experts, we can say, hey, here's what I know now caveat that with not every teacher is receptive to that, um, but the really good ones will be, yeah. <laughs> you know, the really good ones are going to say, thank you. As the expert in your kid, I appreciate the input and the, um, the heads up in this area or that or where they struggle. So. Yeah. So, Ryan, something um, to add? yeah, no, I was just thinking, um, that the school is, school is a tough proposition for kids. Right. Um, and I think that sometimes, we forget that. Um, I think that sometimes we forget that, um, you know, it, particularly, well, let me try that again, Chris. Um, a lot of kids in the child welfare system, there tends to be a lot of issues in school for those kiddos. And, and what that typically looks like is because I think that school is difficult because it reminds them of a lot of negative things about themselves, right? Yep. It's an environment where if they're, mm. if they're, if they're struggling academically, uh, they because um, because they um, they're struggling academically, and instead of instead of just going okay, I you know I've been this is my third different school this year, I am behind all those kinds of things. What what that that gets processed as is this confirms for me that I'm that I'm a failure. This confirms to me that I'm not good enough, right? And and we have a lot of seats like highlights those yeah, and so that and then and then you got all of the. I mean, because we could talk for, for like days about school, right? And, and not just with like how to advocate for your kids, but, but also why it's a complicated, um, complicated um, prospect for the pre uh, proposition for the kids, excuse me. Um, so I think in order just to kind of set the deck about how we need to advocate for our kids, I think that understanding our kids and why that's really difficult for them um, is a valuable thing to, to look at. Um, you know, sometimes we see a lot of behavior problems at school and, you know, when you when you read some of Bruce Perry's work, he, he does he does a lot about it talks a lot about about issues in schools with kids. I remember the story he told one time about 
a young person that was having uh, really big explosive behaviors in a class, and they discovered that um, that person was um, the, the teacher in that class wore the same cologne as the person that abused that child. Oh. And so the smell of the, of the cologne triggered. But if you're not looking that minutely and going, oh my gosh, what is it about this experience that makes this really, really difficult for the child? Because there's a flip side to that coin, right? If a teacher has 20, I don't know how, what, what class sizes are, but every teacher I speak to says that their cl- classes are maxed and, and over, right? Their ability to, to, to even do the, the, the detective work to drill down to figuring out what, what is, is really, really limited because they've yep. got things they need to get through. They've got to keep the, the train moving forward. And so it's just a, it's just a difficult, difficult uh, proposition. Uh, Proposition. I keep on saying preposition, but we're not in grammar class. Um, so a difficult. We're pro- not in grammar. <laughs> a difficult proposition for everybody, and that's why I think that part of the advocating in the school for your kids, to some degree, you have to be advocating for the teachers as well. And I think that's a good way to frame it because by me giving you, and, and you don't have to give like every gory detail of your child's story, right? I mean that's not necessary, but you can give enough information that leads a teacher to the place of understanding and compassion for your child. Because ultimately, by arming them with that information, you really are, you're really advocating for the teacher to be able to create an environment um, where you're both they and your child succeed. You're basically, basically what you want to try to say to the teacher without using these exact words is, I'm trying to make your life easier. I don't, right. I don't know why you wouldn't use those right. exact words. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <that> you said, <laughs> Yes, and, they and, depend and, on the and, teacher. And, and, try, well, you know, try to read the room ahead of time, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good advice. Yeah, read the room a little bit. And, and I think, Kayla, before we get to some of the specifics, I think you wanted to talk about. I think that it, it, we we have to say this every time we talk about the subject. You have to approach the teacher with kindness. Going over to the teacher mm-hmm. and demanding, like dropping off a copy of whatever book changed your view of the world and demand and, uh, or email that you said you should here's a link to amazon buy this book like it's just not going to happen right and it's not just that it's just not yeah. going to happen it's going to put up put up a wall because i promise you most people that i say hey here's a great book you should read tell me dude i got a lot going on i can't read another book right and and, and so yeah. you know if you want a teacher to to read a book buy them the book if you and hand them say hey you know what it'd be nice if you could read the whole thing or like the connected child's a perfect example, right? Karen Purvis, part of her contract negotiations with the publishers, the chapter four would be available for free, which you can still download, right? For free, because she thought that the crux of the understanding of that book rested in chapter four. And if you didn't read anything else, here's chapter four. That's a great place to start. Yeah. Print out chapter four and say, yeah. this really helped me understand my kid with like their favorite sonic yeah. drink in hand when you do it. Or a gift card. <laughs> Yeah, when, when Kayla was teaching yeah. third grade, Chris, I learned that Sonic uh, that uh, that elementary school teachers love Sonic drinks. It's their love language. They do, they do for sure. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've been known to show up at you know our daughter who is in public school. I will show up at the school with just like two drink carriers full of Sonic drinks, and I just get like a, an assortment of drinks, and I just bring them and I drop them off at the office. And they send them back to the classroom because my daughter, you know, she's our daughter's got a teacher plus multiple aides plus therapists plus, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that that pour into her every day um, plus the ladies in the office. And so I'm like, 
I brought you guys some drinks and they love me at the school. Like they, because I will just randomly show up there. So when I say, Hey, I need this accommodation or I need this, you know, we need to do something slightly different. They want to like accommodate because they see me not as somebody who's always coming in demanding things, but as somebody who comes in appreciative of all they do and then saying like, Hey, you know, here's a thing that we've done at home that really works for her and or we've got this, you know, scenario that we need to figure something out and they want to work with me, you know, and it's not like I'm, you know, bribing them, but maybe I am bribing them. I don't know. I mean, it's it really it's <laughs> it's lobbying. just because I recognize the bribing lobbying. lobbying. Lobbying, yes. That's right. I <laughs> the legal I, term. <laughs> I'm trying to help. It? Okay, okay. I'm just I'll, trying to help. I'll try. <laughs> But I will, or I'll go like, you know, sometimes I'll go to the grocery store just before I go to pick her up from school and I'll just throw a couple of like boxes of like fun, like seasonal cookies or whatever, you know, like if it's the fall and they've got like some sort of pumpkin spice, I love Trader Joe's. And so they usually have some kind of fun seasonal cookies. So I'll just throw those in the cart and then I'll walk in to pick her up and I'll just bring you know, a couple boxes of cookies or a bag of popcorn or something fun for them. And I just do it occasionally, but it's enough that I feel like whenever I do have to come in and say, Hey, um, you know, we've got this situation that's going on and can you help me with this or do this that they want to, you know, they, they don't see me as somebody that just is demanding. And so, um, and obviously our situation's different with this particular, you know, kiddo because of her special needs. But I, I do know that, you know, when I would sit in parent teacher conferences as a teacher and I had a parent come in and say, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. I was very, I, I would get kind of defensive, like, wait, hold on. You're coming in and telling me how I need to change my classroom. But if they came in and they said, hey, here's something that I've used at home that's really been helpful to my kid, and I've really noticed a huge change whenever I do X, Y, and Z, those are the ones I was taking notes in, in those conferences and saying, hey, that's an easy thing I can do in the classroom, you know? And we're not coming in, you don't want to come into the classroom, you know, with like, well, if you could just change out all the chairs in the classroom to be, you know, these ergonomic chairs that are going to be helpful for my kid, um, no teacher's going to do that. Like, they might not even be able to do it. Hey. But like some of you, we've probably talked about this before. Like one of our daughters, when she was, she would sit on like a, a hippity hop little bouncy ball um, in her class, you know, at home when we were doing school. And I mentioned it to her teacher and her teacher was like, man, could you send one of those up to their school? Because I would try it for her. Actually, could you send and so eight? I didn't just, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't just send one. I sent, uh, I sent a bunch of them and she was able to then use it for different students. And she said, oh, it made a huge difference, yeah. you know? And so being willing to kind of think outside the box and, and provide something that's going to help not just my kid or a suggestion that's not so narrowly focused on my kid um, that the teacher feels like, I mean, there's sometimes there's got to be narrowly focused things for my kid in particular. Um, and those are the things that we do put into IEPs and 504s that, that are very specific. But a lot of times that's not, that's not fully necessary or there are things that we can suggest and mention that, we don't need to 
have a big meeting about yeah. to put in writing. Yeah. You know, Kayla, as you were talking, I, I had several thoughts. One of them was to retell the hippity hop ball story so good. Uh, but the other th thing I thought is now that we record this remotely looking at cameras, I think we're a lot more careful to not like talk over each other, um, which, which I kind of, cause it's, cause it's hard to get, to get the, the, the kind of the, the, the cues from each other. And while this is all being recorded and compiled, like we're sitting around the table, there is some latency here and stuff. So it's kind of a little awkward to interject, but cause I remember when we sat around the dining room table, we used to kind of like interject more <laughs> than, than we do yeah. now. Um, so, so a couple of things. Uh, about what you said um yeah you can get most stuff written in, into those ieps and 504 plans and, and whatever else kind of documentation there is but it's a much better outcome if you'll build a relationship with the teacher build yeah. a relationship with the administrators that they'll just work with you because otherwise you kind of got to have you got to have meetings and you got to like demand that um that they write stuff down and even like I'm like, you can get rid of it into those plans that the child has to be sent to the office, you know, has to get a sensory break or, or whatever, right? I mean, you can get that granular on those types of things, but but we think it's a better outcome if you will just build a relationship with the teacher um, and, and, and then that way they become your ally, not somebody who's forced to do something because it was written down in an official document. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that the entirety of, of the message we, we preach so to speak, is is about relationships and building relationships. And so that's got to be true in any environment that we work in, um, and not just not just in the home, but understand that we need to build those relationships in the interest of our children. Because we have a friend who, who um, their son, I think like every hour he just gets asked to take something up to the, to the you know, take like a stack of books up to the, the, the office and then they send him back with another stack of books and he just gets a little bit of a sensory break and then I don't know what the exact details are in terms of time or how many times a day or whatever but but then I recognize and I think that was just mom asked the classroom teacher that was years ago so I don't know if they still do those things every year but it helped him and it was just by her building a relationship and then asking nicely and so you know my, my old my old friend Bill Rector who, who Chris you know as well he once taught me a valuable lesson. He said, um, if you want to build a relationship with somebody, the first thing that they have to know is that you mean them no harm. And that tracks exactly with all the things we believe, right? You, 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 people need to feel safe. And where they feel safe, they can connect in a relationship. And once they connect in a relationship, that's when the good stuff mm -hmm. happens. And the same applies... To, to, to the classroom teacher and the school. And if you go in there on day one and are just demanding, then you have really, really hampered your ability to build a relationship. But if you go there on day one and you're kind and you're understanding and you're polite and you're respectful, um, then, then you're actually gonna, gonna do the thing that, that you need because, because you're gonna walk out and the teacher's gonna view you as an ally, not as an adversary. And that is a crucial piece to building any kind of relationship. The problem, though, is that there are people, some of whom may be listening to this, that think that the only way to achieve the outcomes you want is to be very demanding. And um, I don't know about you, but when somebody explains to me what I have to do, I almost feel like I like, shouldn't do it. So just so you know, you couldn't be that demanding. Now, I understand that is the maturity of a five-year-old, <laughs> but 
<laughs> but you know, there's some people laughing. It's the rebel in you. So there was uh, the rebel in me. There's not a single person who has a microphone in front of them that I'm looking at right now that would react differently at all. Because <laughs> you forget, my sweet. I have 20 years of experience with you and 10 years of experience with Mr. Turner, and y'all can't fool me. <laughs> also, there are some people nodding, going, oh. uh huh, uh huh, listening to this this right now. <laughs> <laughs> one thing you said there ryan well, that uh, really it's... stuck out to me about that building relationships is uh when you're able to build that relationship with that that teacher and then you do need to ask for something uh some accommodation for your child you've essentially taken the resentment out of the equation because yeah. again you've taken the, the, the steps to build the relationship, even if it's that first day and you need to give them a heads up about your, about something regarding your child. Uh, the fact that you're, you're laying that groundwork goes a long way to them being more accommodating and more receptive because like you just said, you're coming at them as uh, someone they're working alongside of, not someone yep. they're working against necessarily. And you'll also stand out. You're, yeah. you're like the kid at the Romanian orphanage. You had the high squeaky voice that Purvis kept giving bubblegum to, if you remember that story from way back when, because because um, I think the, the, the natural tendency of people is to get my way. I have to let you know that I am a worthy adversary and you don't want to mess with me, yeah. even if that's done in gentle ways, right? It's like that, that, that picture I, I sent to you guys earlier this evening. When somebody in the south, when a woman in the south says, "Say that again," it's not because she needs you to repeat yourself. It's because she wants to know you're you're in good with Jesus because you're about to meet him, right? And, and I think people have that very that that kind of approach that that you have to know that I am uh, I am immovable. You can't push me around. Um, what's that phrase? People like to say, I'm I'm a mama bear. And on all those kinds of things, but again, here's another phrase that I think is helpful here. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, I think is, is, is did I get that right? And if not, mm -hmm. close enough. Yeah. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> close enough. Well, and I think, um, you know, and on a practical side of things, um, one of the things that I would would suggest is that we don't, you don't need to send a letter with your kid on the first mm. day of school t detailing everything about your kid that this teacher should know. Um, because one, it may give them a bad taste in their mouth for your kid to start with. And you may be creating an adversarial relationship that doesn't need to yep. be there. Because you may find that this kid clicks really well with this teacher even better so than any teacher before. And you don't have to tell the teacher as much and there's not as many behavioral problems as maybe you've had in the past. I think there are some things that maybe, you know, like, you know, we would tell somebody if our kid had a peanut allergy on the first day of school, because that's obviously life threatening and the teacher needs to know that a heads up. If your kid is, let's say a runner and might be escaping the classroom at a moment's notice, then that's obviously a safety issue right. that needs to be addressed mm -hmm. up front. Yeah. Um, but if you have a kid who maybe tends to, um, I don't know, that maybe tends to like look at other people's papers, you know, uh, and copy off of their neighbor when it comes to test taking, that might not be the first thing you want to tell the teacher because then they're like, well, who's this kid that you just brought into yeah. my classroom? And, you know, 
you want to give your child an opportunity because every year there's growth for our kids. So that's the hope. Um, we want to also empower our kids to have the tools that they need so that they can go into the classroom, especially as they get older, right? In elementary school um, and in early middle school, we're really having to front load the teachers with information so that they can help regulate our kids. They can help deescalate situations. As our kids get older, we want them to have more of the tools. It doesn't mean we don't empower the teachers and we don't um, give the teachers information, but maybe wait, you know, a few weeks into the school year and schedule like a parent teacher conference and say, Hey, I just want to check in. My kiddos had some struggles in the past and I wanted to see if you were noticing anything and be curious about what the teacher has seen before you kind of give all the information to the teacher, because you may see that a struggle your kids had in the past that they've had growth over the summer and they're not even struggling with it. And you don't want them to be labeled and you don't want them to be singled out for something. Um, Yeah, that's good. But making sure that you're, if it's a safety concern or if it's something, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I don't have one off the top of my head that I might, other than safety things that I might start off the year saying, Hey, by the way, maybe if it was, um, you know, so for one of our kiddos, um, being called on is like mortifying Mm -hmm. for this one particular kid. And this particular kid doesn't like to go to church, um, because, they will call on you even if you don't have your hand raised. And that terrifies this child. Um, even if this kid knows the answer and like could answer it, um, they want to only answer when they are ready to answer and when they feel like, you know, they're in a good place. And so that might be something that I would point out to the teacher at the beginning of the year, say, Hey, my kid really struggles and you're going to get a lot more out of this particular kid if you will um, wait until he raises his hand or wait until um, she looks like she is fully engaged yeah. in everything, you know, because I know as a teacher early on, I was the teacher who would like call on the kid that I thought wasn't paying mm. attention um, just to kind of single them out, right? This is before I knew all of this stuff and I was starting out and I thought, ah, that's what you do. That They'll never do that again. Um, but really what it did was it just put a, put a, just like this adversarial relationship with yeah. this kid um, because they felt picked on, you know? Um, and so some teachers tend to do that. But if you say, hey, my kid is going to shrivel up and you're never going to get anything out of them if you just call on them randomly, um, that might be something that I would give them a heads up well, on. I, I wanted to add one thing, um, cause I see time's running short here, but, um, I wanted to add one thing that when you go and speak to the, the teacher, um, whatever the scenario may be right up front, um, with some safety concerns a few weeks into it to kind of say, Hey, here's some things that, 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 that we are aware of. Don't, don't present just be objective. Say, I am here to objectively offer something. Like, don't make it emotional. Don't turn it into, oh my gosh, our home life is really, really stressful. I'm thankful that my child's out of the house for, for all the hours of the day. Like, <laughs> like don't do that, <laughs> right? Just like, be objective, yeah. just the facts, and have a real meaningful conversation with the classroom teacher or teachers as the children get to the higher grades. Yep. Um, because, mm-hmm. again we are supposed to know our children better than anybody else. 
and what what motivates them what what dis and discourages them and all those kinds of things and then you can share some of those those things well guys thanks so much uh for all these suggestions and uh kind of what ifs i've listeners if uh you've got a situation that uh you navigated successfully in the past hey we would love to to hear about that uh, we're always uh wanting to add to our own toolboxes in that regard so feel free to shoot us an email at info at one big happy home.com or hit us up on uh, any of the social networks you can find us on the facebook the instagram the twitter uh are we all the same handle everywhere uh kayla or are we uh are we different ones, different places? We're at One Big Happy Home, although we don't really use Twitter very much anymore because because no one does. Mainly just where people, <laughs> we're mainly just where people argue about things now. <laughs> but we're going to start putting, we're going to start putting things out on TikTok too. I had somebody send me a message saying, "I'm waiting to see content from you guys on this channel." Oh so. Lord. <laughs> I mean, to really get Chris Turner to do. So Chris is going to uh, start like dancing. Every dance trend. Nope. Chris will not be installing TikTok and yeah, use all it. the all the new songs. I just keep hearing him say uh, yes. We're going to send them to no. Chris. I just keep hearing no. him say yeah, yes. Yeah, me too. No. I heard that. No. I don't think you know what that it's means, opposite Chris. Day, Chris. I don't think you know what that means, Turner. We'll, we'll have to discuss this <laughs> later. <laughs> Perhaps in the green room. I mean, I think yep. if our, I think if our listeners want to hear want to see Chris dancing on TikTok, they should definitely um, let us know. Maybe if we get enough response, Chris will do like a video. We'd have awesome. to talk monetary compensation. Chris is looking at me like, I will like kill you later. No, I think these are great ideas, Kayla. I completely endorse them. I'm sure you do. <laughs> and as uh, always, everyone, we appreciate you listening. Take care. <laughs> Bye.